Thanks for listening to this week's Hope at Crossroads. We are glad you're taking the time to listen. As you tune in today, if you need encouragement or prayer, please reach out to us by texting 864-288-1626. Or you can connect with us through our website, hopeatcrossroads.org. Spread the word to your friends and let them know they can subscribe at Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. And now, here's this week's message. Thank you, Steve. That is the message of Christmas. In a song, we could not get to God with our best effort, with our achievement, with our accomplishment. With, uh, even on our best day, we could not get to God. So God in His greatness came to us, Emmanuel. That's what Emmanuel is, God with us. And he came to earth uh, as a baby and uh, lived a perfect life and gave his life for us. What in the world does Christmas and Easter have to do with each other and what do they have in common? Quickly this morning, uh, I want to share with you a few observations. We've been going through the book of John, so if you want to put your finger at John chapter 19, we're going to be flipping back a lot in the Bible today, which is great. So if you've got a hard copy of God's Word, you might need that, or your tablet or your app. We're going to be looking at Matthew's Gospel and Luke's Gospel and John. They all share snapshots, if you will, of the Christmas story and the Easter story. And here is the reality. We know this today. There is no resurrection without a birth. That's why we celebrate Christmas, the birth of Jesus. And uh, Easter is when we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. And so uh, today I want to kind of talk about very quickly just three things. There's a lot they have in common, but three things I want to share with you uh, that I've noticed over the last few weeks that Easter and Christmas have in common. And I'll go ahead and give you the first one. The first one is people were threatened. People were threatened by Jesus. Uh, Jesus was uh, a character, a person who caused people to feel angst sometimes and not knowing what he was going to do or what he was going to say. Even his birth caused people to feel threatened. So let's start there with that in Matthew chapter 2. And we'll notice we're going to look at a few characters in the story of Jesus that interacted with Jesus. The first one is King Herod, Matthew chapter 2. Let's see his response to Jesus. How was he uh, affected by the life of Jesus? Matthew chapter 2, here's what Matthew says. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem. Now, let me stop there and just point out a couple of things. Most of you uh, are well aware of these two facts, but maybe you're not. Uh, There's a couple of interesting things right there that Matthew tells us from the get-go. The first thing that he says is, Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, Jesus, at this time in the story, when the wise men are going to see him, is probably around two years old. I know that we have in our manger scene, sometimes we have the wise men there at the baby. What we do at our house is we put the wise men out at the garage on the front step because they haven't quite got there yet. So I don't know how you want to do your manger scene. But they weren't probably there. They probably didn't show up for about 
the time Jesus was probably about two years old, and I'm going to give you proof of that in just a minute in Matthew's Gospel. But the other thing that we see here is these magi from the east arrive in Jerusalem. I know traditionally we say there was three. Bible doesn't say there was three wise men. It says there were three gifts. Frankincense, gold, and myrrh, right? And we think in our North American mindset that nobody shows up at a party without a gift. So there probably was three gifts. So there must have been three wise men. Probably more wise men than that. But the wise men show up, the magi from the east. They arrive in Jerusalem. And here's what they say, verse 2. And notice, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm noticing some things that we've talked about the last few weeks for the first time as I've read uh, the Christmas story. Here's what the wise men say. Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and we've come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard it, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. Some translations say, say he was disturbed. He was uh, troubled, disturbed all of Jerusalem with him, he was not excited because Herod was the king. As a matter of fact, if you know your history, he was actually such a, such a powerful king that he was called Herod what? The Great. That's right. Herod the Great. So Herod the Great, the king, hears from some wise men, we're looking for the king. I don't know about you, but if you're Herod, you're going, hello, I'm the king. You're saying you're looking for a king. I am the king. And so these wise men show up and Herod is greatly disturbed. And they gather together. He gathers everyone together and says he wants to go and worship Jesus. So he sends them off to go worship Jesus. But then what does he do? Let's read it. Verse 7. He secretly calls these wise men. He ascertains from them the time the star appeared. There's key, that's key in the time sequence, the chronology of this. And he says to them in verse 8. He sends him to Bethlehem and says, Go make careful search for the child when you found him. Report to me that I too may come and worship him. And having heard the king, they went away and saw the star, which they had seen in the east, that went on before them, and they came out and stood over where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with great joy, exceedingly with great joy. And they came into the house and they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. And opening their treasures, here they are, they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And they were warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod. They departed for their own country another way. Verse 13, when they had departed, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph and said, Arise, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to destroy them. So Herod wasn't going to worship him. Herod was going to kill him. And so they arose, verse 14, they took the child, Jesus, and his mother by night, and they departed for Egypt. And there was until the dream, till, excuse me, till the death of Herod that night, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, might be fulfilled, saying, Out of Egypt did I call my son. And Herod... When he saw that he'd been tricked by the Magi, he became enraged. And he sent and slew all the male children who were in Bethlehem and all its environments, surroundings, another word for that, two years old and under, according to the time he had ascertained from the Magi. That's where we believe Jesus was probably about two years old. Herod wanted to make sure that every baby that, and every up to two years old male that was alive was slaughtered so that he would have no 
There would be no threat to him. So people were threatened. People were threatened by Jesus. It's interesting, I said this, I believe it was yesterday or maybe Christmas Eve. It's interesting, as long as you talk about the baby in the manger, everybody's all right. There are secular radio stations in our market that for the last month have been playing Christmas music. Songs that talk about the birth of Jesus. Noel, Noel, hark the herald angels sing. Everybody's okay for the most part as long as this cute, cuddly baby's in the manger. But if you start talking about crucifixion, Oh my gosh, you talk about resurrection. Oh my gosh. It's interesting, Herod was threatened, and this is around, obviously, the time of Jesus being born. But if we know and we remember, there was a lot of threatening going on as Jesus got older. Flip with me, if you will, back to the book of John. We'll pick up the story. You know, last time we talked about John, he was uh, talking about Jesus standing in front of Pilate. And Jesus said, for this reason I have been born, I have been born as a king, and I have come into the world to bear witness of the truth. And we get to chapter 19, and he's still standing there with Pilate, and Pilate, uh, after much pressure, and they, the crowd is saying, free Barabbas. In chapter 19, Pilate takes Jesus, verse 1, and scourges him, and the soldiers uh, wove a crown of thorns and they put it on his head and they array him in a purple robe and they come up to him and they say, Hail, King of the Jews! And they're calling him King, but they don't mean it. They're making fun of him. They're making fun of him with the purple robe. They're making fun of Jesus with the crown of thorns. They're making fun of Jesus by calling him, Hail, King of the Jews. And they started to hit him in the face. And if you know that word, it's not like a little tap. It's not a love tap. It's a closed fist punching Jesus in the face. And Pilate comes out again and says to the crowd, Behold, I'm bringing him out to you that you may know I, have, I find no guilt in him. And Jesus comes out wearing this crown of thorns, the purple robe, and Pilate said, Behold the man, verse 6, Therefore the chief priests and the officers see him, they cry out, Crucify, crucify. And Pilate says to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him. I find no guilt in him. Some translations say it even harsher and say, I find no basis for this charge against this man. So even Pilate is affected and the people are affected and the people feel threatened Wondering who this Jesus is going to be. But the second thing that I see here about the comparison of Christmas and Easter is both of these holidays, both, both of these events cause us to think deeply. Or they should cause us to think deeply. And here we have Pilate. He's right in the middle of this. He's thinking about all the things that are going on and the pressure is mounting on what is he going to do. And the crowd has been yelling, free Barabbas, free Barabbas, crucify Jesus. And he starts to contemplate, what should I do? I find nothing wrong with him. I find no guilt in him. What should I do? And the story continues and John says it this way. John chapter 19, let's keep reading. John says it. This way in verse 7, the Jews said, we have a law. Chapter 19, verse 7, we have a law and by that law he ought to die because he made himself out to be the son of God. That's really what they were really upset about. That Jesus, this baby that we are celebrating today, born in a manger, 
claimed to be God Almighty. Boy, you want to you start making some people upset. People feel threatened. And Pilate is starting to think about this and contemplate this. And they insist on Jesus dying. And when Pilate hears this, verse 8, it says he heard this statement. He was even more afraid. And he goes back into the palace and he goes back to Jesus again to have another conversation. And he says to Jesus... You, you don't speak to me. Do you not know that I have authority to release you and I have authority to crucify you? And Jesus answers, You would have no authority over me unless it had been given to you from above. For this reason, I love it when Jesus just tells us, Here's why this is happening. We don't have to wonder. For this reason, He who delivered me up to you has the greater sin. As a result of this, Pilate made efforts to release him. Some translations, I think even better than that, say this. From that moment on, Pilate was trying to come up with any plan he could to free Jesus. Any loophole. Any missing T that had not been crossed. Anybody, anything he could come up with to be able to release and set Jesus free. But the Jewish leaders kept shouting... And they said this, if you release this man, verse 12, you're no friend of Caesar's. Everyone who makes himself out to be a king opposes Caesar. It should cause us, church family, to think deeply when we consider who Jesus is. The Jesus of Christmas, the Jesus of of Easter should cause us to think like Pilate, to think deeply, to start to contemplate ourselves and contemplate our sinful situation, our sinful condition, to start really contemplating that question, is Jesus God? If you've never contemplated that question, I want to encourage you this morning to think about it. Is Jesus King? Is Jesus God? Is He Lord of Lords? Was He really God in the flesh? God of creation sending down, coming down in human form to live among us. God in a body, if you will, right there in the flesh living among us. Is, was he really God? And one of the great things about this holiday and also about Easter is there's t- at least two times a year. At least so far in North America. Not everywhere on the globe. But at least so far right now. For a little while longer perhaps. In North America, we start to contemplate who this Jesus really was. Was he just a good man? Was he just a prophet? Was he just a little baby in a manger? Or was he who he said he was? You know, Jesus asked his disciples that very question in the book of Matthew chapter 16. He was hanging out with the disciples one day and he said, Hey, I've been hanging out with you guys. Who, do, who are all these people in the community? Basically, who do they say that I am? And if you remember, the disciples chime in and they said, Oh, Jesus, some people say you're, uh, some people say you're Jeremiah. Some people say you're John the Baptist. And they give all these answers. And Jesus finally looks at the disciples and says, Okay, that's, that's great. Put the spotlight on the world, but I'm going to put the spotlight on you. Who do you say that I am? And the disciple who normally puts his foot in his mouth actually answers correctly and says to Jesus, You are the Christ, the living Son of God. So I hope this morning as we're together, you're, you're, 
you're contemplating. Even if you know who Jesus is, it's good to rethink and re reflect and recontemplate. Who is this man I've given my life to? If you've given your life to him, and I hope that you have. He is God. He is king. You know, even Mary pondered these very things. If you go back to the book of Luke, flip backwards to the book of Luke. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Just got to go back one book. We read the story. Matthew, uh, Luke, excuse me, chapter 2, verse 16. The shepherds are out in the field. And they make haste. And they go and run to see this child. And they find Mary, verse 16 says, And Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. And when they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told by the shepherds. They wondered, they contemplated it, caused them to reflect and think. And even Mary, but Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, just as has been told them. Even Mary pondered these things in her heart and caused her to think deeply. So, dear family, in the hustle and bustle of this holiday season, where maybe you're running from one family thing, even today, to another, I want to encourage you to find some time to pause and to think deeply about Jesus. Who is he? More importantly, who is he to you? And do you know him? The third thing that I see about Easter and Christmas that's so important is both of these days, these celebrations, if you will, have the power to change our lives because they are about the same person. And here's the reality. The holiday, don't miss this, church family. The holiday, Christmas, the holiday, Easter, has no power to change your life. The person that the holiday is about has the power to change your life. And what we have done in the United States is we think the holiday can change our life. Oh, there's great music and there's festive this and there's candy cane this and that. And oh, look at chubby Santa. and Oh, we're just all be festive and happy and fun. and That'll wear out pretty quickly. And if you have young kids with battery-powered devices, you know that might run out in 24 hours. And all that joy and festiveness will be gone. And toys that you sacrificed financially like a crazy person to buy for them will probably be broken before January 1st. So if we're putting our hope in a holiday, God help us if we're putting our hope in a holiday. We put our hope in the Jesus of Easter and the Jesus of Christmas, there's a couple of people that I see in these stories who did exactly that. If you flip back to John 19, let's finish the story. Jesus, as you know, is eventually crucified. He's taken out to the, be put on a cross to the place called the place of the skull. And he is crucified there. And they continue to make fun of him because there's a sign that they place on the cross. The king of the Jews, Jesus the Nazarene, king of the Jews. And he goes and he's crucified. And he gives his life for you and for me. 
And after he's crucified, something pretty interesting happens. Because he says all those statements, it is finished, he bows his head, he gives up his spirit, and the soldiers come to take the other guys off the cross. But there's an interesting person that shows up at the scene in verse 38, chapter 19. To take Jesus off the cross after these things, Joseph of Arimathea, verse 38, being a disciple of Jesus, but a secret one, for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate if he could take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate granted permission, yet another sign, Pilate granting permission, that he is still wrestling with who Jesus is claim to be. And Joseph came, therefore, and took away his body, and Nicodemus came also, who had first come to him by night, bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pounds weight. Nicodemus, a very interesting person, you'll remember Nicodemus, who came to Jesus. If you want to flip backwards a few chapters, you might remember Nicodemus came at night, and he came to Jesus in John chapter 3. He showed up to Come to Jesus. He was a very powerful ruler of the Jews. And he came to him at night. And John tells us in John chapter 3 verse 2. Nicodemus showed up and said to him. Rabbi we know you've come from God as a teacher. Didn't know if he was a son of God. Yet. But he said you've, you've come to God as a teacher. For no one can do the signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus says to him what? Truly, truly I say to you you're correct. And unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom. There's that word again, king and kingdom. Kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he's old? He cannot enter a second time. And Jesus begins to have this conversation with him about how that happens. And eventually says to him, oh Nicodemus, for God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him should not perish. But have everlasting life. That Nicodemus that we read about there is the same Nicodemus that just a few months later is there after Jesus had been crucified wanting to be there to take care of the body of Jesus. Because Jesus has the power to change our life. Not only Nicodemus, But if you flip back and you look back in Luke's gospel, last time we'll flip around, I promise. He changed the life of another individual. He was was younger. He was just a mere kid. But Luke chapter 2, verse 25 says this, Behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout. He was looking for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. The Holy Spirit, by the way, has been around since the beginning. I don't know if you've ever noticed that before. This is New Testament. And and we're reading about the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, Jesus promises a little bit later in John's Gospel that the Holy Spirit is coming, and yet the Holy Spirit is already here. And guess what? The Holy Spirit was there at the beginning. The Holy Spirit has always been because God has always been, and Jesus has always been because Jesus is God. And the Holy Spirit tells Simeon, reveals to Simeon, 
that he would not die before he gets to see the Lord Jesus Christ. And he came in the spirit into the temple, verse 27. And when the parents bring the baby Jesus in or the child Jesus, excuse me, in, they carry out for him the custom of the law. And here's what Simeon says on the blessing of Jesus, the child Jesus. He says, now, Lord, thou dost let thy bondservant depart in peace according to thy word. For my eyes have seen thy salvation which thou hast prepared in the presence of all people, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of the people Israel. And what happened to mom and dad, Mary and Joseph, when they heard these words from the prophet Simeon? Wow. It says, verse 33, they were amazed at the things which were being said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rise of many in Israel. And for a sign to be opposed. And a sword will pierce even your own soul to the end. That thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. What's he saying? He's, he's given prophecy of what's going to happen to their baby. That their baby who was born, who is the salvation of the world, is going to die and give his life for mankind. Why was Jesus born? Jesus was born to die. Jesus was born to be a king of the world. Jesus is the king of the world. So here's the question. Yes, the holidays are great. Christmas and Easter are great. But what do they have in common? The thing they have in common is the person they are about has the power to change your life. But here's the real question. Has he changed your life? See, dear friend, you can't encounter... You cannot truly encounter Jesus and be unchanged. You can encounter church. You can encounter being baptized. You can encounter having your name on a church roll and do all those things and never be changed. But you can never encounter Jesus Christ and not be changed. Because He changes you. When you encounter Him, He changes you. Jesus of Christmas was cute and cuddly. Jesus of Easter is bruised and broken. The Jesus of Christmas was small and innocent. The Jesus of Easter is larger than life because he brings life. The Jesus of Christmas was celebrated by many and hated by a few. The Jesus of Easter was hated by many and celebrated by a few. Jesus of Christmas was born to die. The Jesus of Easter died to live and to save your life. The Jesus of Christmas was King of kings and Lord of lords. The Jesus of Easter is King of kings and Lord of lords. Is He your King? Is He your Lord? Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for today. Thank you for the gift of Christmas. Thank you that the story does not end there. And Lord, we know the sacrifice that you gave. We thank you for that sacrifice. We thank you for the, the power of the gift of your Son. Lord, we are without question. We are without excuse. We cannot wonder, does God love me? Does God care about me? Because while we were yet sinners, you proved your love for us. Thank you, Jesus. Dear friend, as you're there in your seat this morning, I just want to give you a few moments just to pray. 
Many of you know the Lord. I know that. Maybe today right there in your seat or in just a moment, if you wish to come down front, you can. But even right there in your seat this morning, maybe you just need to recommit your life to Jesus as you've reflected on who He is and say, Lord, I, I just today I want to recommit, rededicate my life afresh and anew. What a great day to do that. What a great day to do that. But just maybe, just maybe there's one person here who'd say, you know what, I know all about Jesus. I know all about his story. But I've never allowed him to encounter my life and to change me. And if that's you today, you can do that right there in the comfort of your seat. You can just say, Lord, I believe all this stuff I've heard about you today. I know it to be true, but I want it to be true in my life. I want it to affect my life and to change my life. And I ask you to come into my life and to change me today. And I want to be changed through the power of your Holy Spirit. If that's your prayer, you can just pray that right there in your seat. What a great thing to do on Christmas. And the receiving of a lot of gifts for you to give yourself to Jesus. What a great gift. Father, would you speak to our hearts during this moment? What a hallowed day today can be on this Christmas day. Would you speak to our hearts? just a moment we're going to stand and have our closing song our invitation song our last song we're going to sing 2022 last song we're going to sing in this place in 2022 will, will you make it count what's God saying for you to do I'm going to ask my friend Heath to come join me we'll be standing up here in the front today if you just want somebody to pray with you or God's shown you something in your heart you want to share with a friend we'd love to pray with you and encourage you maybe today you need to give yourself your life to Jesus because he is who he says he is he is the king of kings and lord of lords and he died for you and he lives again father would you have your way during this time of invitation we honor you today in Jesus name Amen. Amen. Would you stand to your feet? Joey's going to lead us in our final song this morning. If you need to respond, I'll be here. My friend Heath is here. We'd love to pray with you and encourage you on this Christmas day. Let's sing together.
family. You are a blessing today, and I hope you have an incredible uh, rest of your Christmas. Uh, if you need to speak to someone about where you are in your relationship to Jesus, I'll be hanging around. My friend Heath will be hanging around. Don't go home today. Celebrate Christmas without knowing the Christ of Christmas. What a tragedy if that's you. I know a lot of us, most of us know the Lord. Praise God for that. But if you don't, it's all right. There's a lot of friends in here that would love to share with you the, tr the truth of who Jesus is. And uh, it's the most important thing for this, for this day. So I hope you have a great day. Uh, we'll be back here next Sunday, 10 a.m. worship only. So I hope you have a great week this week with your family. Uh, don't forget, a couple of announcement sheets are at the back about the men's conference and the Michael O'Brien concerts if you want to grab those on your way home. God bless you. Stay warm. Stay warm. Merry Christmas. We hope you've been challenged and inspired from today's message. You can find out more about the message you have heard today by visiting our website, hope at crossroads.org. If you live in the upstate South Carolina area and you're looking for a church home, we hope you'll come by and visit sometime. Details about our church and service times can also be found online. In addition, we want to invite you to check out some of the great items at our website that will help you, or you can give as a gift to a friend. Devotionals and other resources are all available at hope at crossroads.org. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you will tune in again next week.